Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your captain speaking. My name is Theo, and you're listening to Between Two Trains, the train station that brings you great entrepreneurs twice a month. Your hosts are Eric Moss and Van Pappas. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Welcome to another Between Two Trains. My name is Van, your friendly financial planner. And I'm Eric, your better business banker. And today we have a very old acquaintance of mine, Mr. Andrew Katz. I've known him since high school. He owns a company right here in Chambly, Georgia called Anything Automotive. Andrew, welcome to Between Two Trains. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it, man. All right. So Anything Automotive can mean so many things. Why don't you tell us exactly what you do with Anything Automotive? You bet. So um, I started detailing uh, detailing cars in, in high school. That was that was my business many moons ago. And after spending many years detailing cars, um, I opened Anything Automotive. It's an automotive concierge business. So we have a car dealer's license because we buy and sell cars for our clients. That's our main focus. But we treat it like a concierge business. Any anything the client needs. Uh, we, uh, we will offer anything, anything car related. Are we, are we talking, are we talking, uh, tinted windows? Are we talking any type of vehicle upgrades that off of, you know, the, 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 you know, stock kind of market, if they want to, if I want to get a truck and I want to get, get it lifted, a lift kit put on it, is that the type of stuff that you're doing? Yes, certainly getting the truck is what most people would use me for. Their their yeah. uh, folks are busy. It's a do-it-yourself. This business, the car business, has gone uh, the direction of most businesses. Do it yourself. Yeah. Get, get online. Do your own research. See what your friends and, and family are doing on Facebook. Uh, ask some questions and then go and get your best best price. But there are people that don't want to spend all that time or don't know a lot about cars. So uh, I'm a source for, uh, for information. Um, and then after many years um, of building clients, uh, building my book of clients, um, I have this, these relationships. So it's a relationship-based business. So if I wanted like, I don't know, some specialized car, a 1980 uh, Camaro GT, would I come to you or is that really not what you're doing? You might, but I, I, I would uh, have a, a hard time taking a project like that. Trying to find a car like that is like a needle in a haystack. And it's just difficult to build a business around those projects. So I haven't done that. I've focused more on the cars that people drive. The one-year-old car, the two-year-old car, the three-year-old car, or even a new car. So Eric, to, to take your, your example of a truck, if you wanted a, a new truck, uh, I would help you decide which truck, which trim level, which color. Uh, we would go through all of the options and help you build your truck. Um, and then I would process your order, uh, place either place the order to have it built or, or go find the, the truck that you want. And uh, yes, if you want some of the special things like big wheels and tires or a, a bed cover or whatever, you know, side steps or a lift kit anything, uh, then we would, we would install those options for you before you take delivery of your truck. So it's a kind of a soup to nuts approach. First, we start with a pen and a piece of paper and talk. And then in the end, we deliver a truck just like you want it. Deliver it right to, to right to my house. Many times. Yes. So I do have a in Chambly. And so when I use the word delivery, it typically is done at my office. 
And I'd imagine, you know, most people, I'd imagine most of your clients already have a car. So there's the process of, okay, what do I do with this now? That was, and I'd imagine uh, it's, it's both buying and then also taking care of the, a trading of keys, so to speak. You, you bet. Seam, seamless. And, and, and there's where it gets a little confusing for some people. They know what car they want, but they don't know what to do with their old car or how to time the two because some people need the equity out of their old car. So after detailing cars for many years, I started selling cars on consignment. That was the second service we started offering, and that was in the early 90s. So selling cars on consignment is one, one service. We'll take your car and sell it for you, regardless of whether you're purchasing a new or used car from us. And, um, and some examples are people who either don't drive anymore, elderly folks that have stopped driving. Um, there's plenty, plenty of cars that need to be sold uh, for folks that just no longer need the car for whatever reason. So we sell cars for or clients on consignment. If we're taking an order and filling an order for a new car or a used car, then there could be a trade-in. So we, as the dealer, uh, with a dealer's license, we can accept the trade-in where you only pay tax on the difference. And what do you do once you get that trade-in card? Do you try to then sell it yourself or do you have a source to, to send it off to? There's two ways to handle it we can either actually take it on trade and buy it from you. And then it's one of my cars uh, in inventory uh, for sale. We advertise uh, those cars on my website and, and then they go to auto trader and car gurus and Craigslist. And then the, you know, Google picks it up from there and, and they end up finding their way to other, other uh, sites, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll sell, sell inventory that way. And then, and then the other way was uh, consignment. So whether it's shown as a trade on your paperwork, uh, we can sell it either on consignment or, um, or just buy it from you. If you're to do exit polling from people who leave a car dealership, um, <laughs> and if you, I think everyone leaves a car dealership feeling like, dang, maybe something was left on the table. Uh, a lot, the, the car business, I think, has a a, a reputation um, of, you know, hardcore selling. And for, for most, I think most people don't, they're not, it's not a regular thing. Some people I think will frequently exchange vehicles, but a lot of, a lot of people, I think it's just not something they do often. So oftentimes they don't have the, the skill set, the tools, the know-how they know they need to negotiate, but where do you start? And it, it, no, Right. And um, that kind of brings me to, to my question is, um, is kind of twofold. One, is that essentially the service you're kind of taking the, the fear of entering the car dealership away from people? Yes. And, and, and then my, my next question is, you know, a lot of cars and Van, you know, this probably from working with your clients, a lot of people finance cars, you know, they need, financing they want financing for whatever reason true um and renting cars is kind of a new phenomenon as well have you does your business touch any of those areas uh the general population about 50 uh uh i'm sorry about 60 percent uh, finance i wouldn't say that that's that's true for for my customer base but but regardless financing yes is absolutely part of the process paying for the car is the hardest part 
And and even if you can afford to pay, you know, write checks, some some folks just prefer to lease a car, which is a form of financing, uh, or to pay for it uh, with with payments over time. So certainly we introduced that into the conversation very early. First conversation, we are doing a pre-purchase assessment. That's the very first step in, in a car purchase project is to ask a lot of questions and find out where you are on, on whether you're buying new or used, uh, paying cash or financing, buying an automatic or a manual. You know, there's, there's a lot of information to collect and then we go from there. So when, if they, in that assessment, if they say we need to do financing, are you connecting them with the appropriate financing or they have to go off and find their own financing? Generally, they have to go off and find their own financing. Uh, most of the repeat customers that I'm, I'm dealing with are just writing a check for the car. But if there is a client that is financing, uh, again, most of the time, I think they've got their financing source already arranged you know, a credit union that they're a member of, for instance. I do sometimes give folks direction. If they don't know where to go for financing, uh, often I'll, I'll, I'll recommend a bank or um, a credit union. So uh, it depends on the car that they're, they're financing. Eric, does, does Chase have an auto financing department? Or is that Chase? That's, Chase, that's not Chase does. It's actually been, our Chase Automotive, Chase Auto Finance has been, um, something that, that we've really grown the last two years in particular, we've always had it, but it's never really been known, but it is something that we offer at the branch level. It's something that if a client is interested in, in financing a non-commercial vehicle, um, you know, we loop in our, our consumer partners and just like if you're, yeah. Just Chase like Auto Finance has, um, maybe a new, New retail, um, you know, might be new on the retail side, but wholesale, I've, I've heard uh, Chase Auto Finance for years. They will finance new cars for franchise dealers. Chase Auto, so that's the other arm of that business. And they will do floor plans for dealerships to, yeah. you know, they'll do a, a number of things. And, um, but for your everyday individual looking for an, a loan, um, that is, that is something we do too. And, and we've shot, we've shown a spotlight on that more recently, just to try to tie together everything that a household may need, uh, mm -hmm. is really kind of the, the idea there. Um, but yeah, Andrew, you're right. I mean, the chase auto financing arm on the commercial side, dealing, working with dealerships, uh, we've been in that space for, for a number of years. Very well. Now, let, let me ask you something here. So you mentioned you might have a client that wants a brand new car. And so, you know, often whenever I think of someone buying a brand new car, I think of them going to, you know, one of the big dealers, the Jim Ellis's of the world and buying their brand new car. But you can do the same thing. And so I guess I have a two part question. One is from a from a standpoint of cost to the to the buyer, I don't know, are they going to get a better deal by doing that through you than if they went to uh, a Jim Ellis or second to that would be, uh, are you getting the cars directly from the new cars directly from the manufacturer? Or are you getting from another wholesale partner? So, so all new cars do come from a new car franchise. So if you order a new BMW, for instance, and you need it financed, 
then you and I are going to go to the BMW dealership together and you'll buy it from them. I will help negotiate the price for you and I'll do the best I can. Um, it will be a, 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 a competitive purchase price uh, as well. It should be. Um, but I, I feel like I need to leave a little bit of meat on the bone so that the dealer uh, will take my call next time. And, and, and so um, to answer your question is, is the price going to be better using me? Well, I've got a fee that I, that I do charge and it's not, it's not, you know, inconsequential. Um, so it depends more on the client and whether the client's time is, is worth the extra uh, uh, money. So if, if you like doing your own research and, and really enjoy the hunt and don't mind spending the time, uh, then you'll learn along the way. And you can certainly do this project, you know, on, on your own. It'd be just like performing surgery on yourself. You could learn and figure it out and do it. <laughs> it might be painful. Uh, I, I'll make it easy. And, and then there are these, these gates of decisions along the way. So I'm, I'm, I'm really organized. And we start off with this assessment. So we, we kind of uh, know which steps to take forward and when. And, um, and then as we go through those gates of decisions, the whole process becomes a lot more clear. So we take a, we, we take a retainer up front and, and open a file and, and go through the process. Um, no, I think it's like to... any service related type business. I mean, I, I'm in, in the same boat, you know, can, can you go out and do your own financial plan? Sure you can. If you want to spend the time and energy and figure it all out on your own. Yeah. Or you just like you, you know, you can come to me and say, Hey, I'm going to pay van to do a financial plan for me because I don't want to spend that time doing all that. And I think that's basically your situation. It, 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 it's true. I certainly save time and, and that, that, that is valued uh, differently by different clients. So uh, another example of a new car, if you're writing a check for a new Honda, the Honda dealership will deliver that to my office and you can come and pick it up at my office. Um, so if you're financing it, then it, it actually needs to be closed at the dealership. Um, if you're just writing a check, then that can be done at my office. Fantastic. It's interesting to me. Talk me through the, the levels of when you recognize there was an opportunity to scale your business and continue to grow the services you're offering. You know, in high school, you're detailing cars. And then at some point you realize, wow. There can be more. I mean, how do you, being a detail-oriented person, can't that kind of analysis kind of give you paralysis in terms of taking the next step because you want to do it the right way? I mean, how did you walk me through how you scaled your business? It kind of evolved naturally. Um, the detailing was was regular. We had really wonderful relationships with clients. And I was selling cars for them at a frequency that really was slowing me down on the detailing end. It would take me forever to detail a car because I was on the phone trying to sell. And I remember there being a very cold winter. I believe it was 99. And I just stopped detailing cars and started selling. And I think that first month, you know, was very successful and that was it. So uh, scale I don't know about scale. I don't have a lot of in inventory. There's not any inventory generally. 
there's sometimes a trade-in or two uh, that I have for sale. But but it, I don't keep an inventory of cars available for the public, like most dealers. I, I work one client project at a time, and I've kept my business that small uh, my entire life. So when, when did I decide about the scale? Um, I'm, I'm still undecided. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've kept it small and 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 somebody taught me many many moons ago keep it simple. He was a car broker, and uh, and I met this. He was a, he was an advisor of a youth group advisor. I was eleven when I saw this. My when I met this car broker, and I thought, gosh, that you could do that. And so that's wow. That's, that's what I wanted to do. At eleven years old, you you were impressed with. Hey, this is this is something that's really cool. I've made a living brokering cars. Now, is it just cars or any other kinds of vehicles? Do we do any commercial stuff, or it's just personal vehicles? Mainly cars, trucks, and SUVs. I have a couple of uh, commercial accounts: uh, heating and ventilation companies, uh, plumbers. Um, it's a fire extinguisher uh, repair company, that kind of thing. No boats. You're not into boats. I uh, did a jet ski once for my best client. He uh, had a, a lake house and, and I, I bought a jet ski for him. Right. So I'm, I'm in the market for a golf cart. Can you help me with the golf cart? I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> I, I actually, I would ask you gas or electric, but that that's about all. I uh, that's all you would know is gas <laughs> or electric. All right. I would point, I would point you towards Peachtree city. Right. Peach, exactly. Yeah. There you go. All right. So I guess, you know, let, let's go back to you. We talked all about the new cars, but, you know, you said used cars, you know, one, two, three years old, that sort of thing, but not really looking for like the vintage old cars. You're not going to find me the 69 Mustang that I want. And so what kind of client is looking I mean, like who is the typical client of yours? Like we got a lot of people listening to the show. They're like, Hey, maybe I should go to Andrew next time I need to, to buy a car. You know, Oh, I usually buy a, you know, two-year-old car. I mean, who, who is the ideal client? Well, an ideal client for me certainly is, is someone who is busy and, uh, and where their personal time is, is really very valuable because that's, that's what you'll, you'll eat up trying to, trying to work a, a car purchase into your project. So um, I, I wouldn't necessarily, I, I describe what I do as 2% cars and 98% people. So, uh, so a good fit is easy to see uh, generally in our first conversation. And I will tell you that one of the, the hardest and, and, and greatest lessons I've learned uh, in my years of business has been when to say no. So if somebody calls looking for a 69 Camaro, I know that that would take me twice as much time as a normal project. And I would be able to, you know, to make not as not, not twice the money. So it, it, it becomes a, a, a choice. I take orders for cars under warranty and that, that helps protect our relationship. Uh, certainly when the car arrives, if there's a problem, we want a car under warranty. So mostly what I'm focusing on is the cosmetics, uh, and, and having high standards generally higher than my clients. Uh, a really, really clean car is what I'm looking for. I'm a cherry picker. So I go out and I find the cleanest car I can find. And that's never the cheapest one. So I think the, uh, the ideal client for me represents, uh, recognizes that there is value in paying a little more 
for a car with half the miles, for example. So if it's but, only but in perfect a, a shape, dollars, yeah, yeah. Well, either either one in perfect shape. If one car has half the miles and it's only a thousand dollars more, it ends up being pennies per mile. And so we can do that math and show you why I think this one is better. And so really, it's it's helping clients make those decisions. Which one do I get? I know what I want and I'm looking online, I see 20 of them. How do I choose? So I, I, I play different roles for different, different people. Some, some folks want help negotiating, some folks want help picking, and some folks need help deciding what to buy. That's, those are the projects I enjoy the most. The deciding what to buy project. Deci somebody who has no idea, they've been driving Chrysler after Chrysler after Chrysler, and they have no idea what to buy anymore. You know, or or maybe they've been driving Plymouths and they don't make Plymouths anymore. Whatever. <laughs> now you can you can deal with any level, right? So it doesn't matter whether I'm getting a, a cheap you know Honda Civic or uh, you know a fifty thousand dollar Tesla. You bet. I mean, you 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 don't have like any specific range of or higher. Uh, the the most recent uh, order I've I've been discussing with a client is a Mercedes GLS. It's the large SUV. It's $120,000, $130,000 new, and she didn't want to spend that much. So we're trying to find her one that is a year old for a hundred. So can you get me one of those new electric Hummers that are on back order? <laughs> Not yet. Eric, did you hear about that? So yeah, the the you know they decided I guess Hummer was going to make an electric vehicle and they underestimated the the uh, amount of orders and now there's like this huge you know Backlog tens of thousands order. back ordered. You know, They'll who, catch who, up on year two maybe. Yeah, who who would figure that someone who wants a big vehicle like that is environmentally conscious? Right. Well, I mean, it's there's been an evolution. Uh, and Andrew, you've been in the business long enough to, to see that it's an interesting perspective, but what I'm, what I'm curious about is for your clientele, especially if you're deciding what to buy, there's what I would imagine if you're in the car business has to be one of the most terrifying pieces of the business, which is the test drive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Getting in the car with a complete stranger. You don't know who, you know, I mean, you, uh, is that something that you'll, you'll do with the client, especially if they're on that? I, I know I want something. I know the general function in terms of size, but yet that drive, that feel, it's a very important component, especially when you, when you creep into those price points that, that you mentioned, do you do that with your clients? It's a great question. So yes, historically over the years, uh, we start with that pre-purchase assessment, go through all these questions and come up with a list. This, the next step is to come up with a list of cars for you. It might be a large list, 20 or 30 cars on that list. And we will have a conversation and narrow the list to just a handful of cars, maybe five. And now it's time to test drive five cars. So um, I would set up the, 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 the times, the test drives all back to back and we would take two and a half or three hours and drive all five cars. And, and I would go, and typically this is, this is again, a kind of a repeat process. I've been doing this so, so long that many of the salesmen 
are in the car with us, sitting in the back seat, and I'm up front with my customer talking and and discussing and and receiving feedback. There's uh, some some fo- folks will will drive faster in the car that they like the most, or some some folks will smile more or, or whatever. There's there's a lot of uh, uh, body language. And so I dig a little, try to find out which car they like the best. I, I was just about to ask, I mean, do you, if, if, if the salesperson even goes with, you know, especially if you've got the relationships that, that you've, you know, groomed over the last few, you know, years, I'm sure they do a company, but it's got to be almost, I mean, do they understand who you are and, and what you're doing oh, yeah. up front? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hennessy Lexus, we've, we've bought and sold so many new cars there that uh, when I show up with a client, I, they toss us the keys and we go for a test drive. Oh, wow. Just, just me and my client. They, they, they trust you enough to let you off the lot without a salesman. Correct. So I recently, uh, I have a friend who has uh, a used, he bought a used Tesla and it's got the, the auto drive, you know, self-driving feature. And he's like, Hey, let's go for a drive. You can drive the car. And turned that we turned that feature on. Have you ever been behind the wheel with a car <laughs> that's driven itself? I I'll never forget. It was actually a Honda Accord, and my client lived in Kentucky, so I hopped in this Honda to drive drive it to Kentucky. And five minutes up seventy five, the steering wheel is moving on its own. It's t- it's holding the lane and. I've been hooked ever since. It's just absolutely exciting and incredible to me to see the changes. One with autonomous driving cars, cars that steer and stop themselves. That's incredible. And, and, and we have nowhere to go, but up with that. Uh, And two, the electrification, the changeover from, from actual internal combustion to electric cars. That's happening. I I was blown away by this Tesla. Not only the autonomous part, which was, my first yeah. time and a little bit freaky because, you know, we're coming yeah. up, we're coming up on a curve in the road and he's like, no, don't touch the wheel. And sure enough, the car turns with the road, no problem. But more importantly, the electric, you know, in my mind was like, oh, there's, there's not going to be any pickup to this electric. Oh Boy, God. you hit the gas of or the, not the gas, the, the accelerator of the Tesla and man, that sucker took off. I was like, holy cow, this could be like, you know, my, my favorite muscle car. Instant torque. Instant torque. It's amazing. And with the the battery thing is the cost of maintenance. It's not zero, but it's pretty close. Right. Well, well, the only, the only fluid, the only fluid in a Tesla is what windshield wiper fluid. There is windshield wiper fluid. There is coolant, which actually uh, cools the batteries. And there is brake fluid. Right. But big deal. Right. So how far, how far in your estimation, being in the auto business for 30 plus years now, how far away are we from seeing mass adoption of autonomous vehicles? So autonomous is a little tougher. Um, I, I can give you two two examples that might help uh, shine some light or, or answer that for you. One is all that automatic driving stuff that the car does. It's reading the lines on the road. So if you'll notice, a lot of the cities and municipalities have recently painted their stripes. Everywhere you look, there's new, new fresh stripes because that's where 
that's 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 what the autonomous driving cars are reading right now. Right. So the software is pretty it's pretty rudimentary in that in that regard. An autonomous driving car eventually when we when we get do get to that point it won't be reading the road stripes. It will be reading some signal that's beamed from the from inside the road or or uh, it will certainly have communication from car to car. So until that happens, we don't have autonomous driving. I think we're probably 10 or 12 years away from from more of that. But electric is right around the corner. You think everything's going to go electric? It it will everything is going electric. It is the fact. It is not an opinion. Bentley announced today that they will be all electric by 2030. Wow. A, a lot of other car companies have already announced that. Volvo announced it a long time ago and and so will GM and Ford. Uh, by 2026 the batteries will cost uh, the battery cost will be low enough to where it will work for all consumer vehicles. So that that means the standard transmission is also going away. Yeah. Right? And yep. so when my wife tells my 14-year-old that he needs to learn how to drive a stick because even though we haven't owned a, a standard transmission car in almost two decades now, but she still wants him to learn because she thinks it's a good skill, I can tell her, <laughs> Andrew Katz says, don't worry about it. They're all going away. We'll never have a standard transmission. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, I've, I've heard that school of thought in the past. <laughs> it'll be a novelty yeah. Eric just think about it. so Eric's got a little one on the way here next year and hey. uh, think about what your child is going to grow up in they're, they're yeah. not going to know all these things we're talking about it, it, you know it's a, the child the, the child's half me so it'll be amazing what the child ends up knowing over the course of its life um, <laughs> definitely definitely the, my better half um, will need to contribute uh, no, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing that, to conceptualize, right? I mean, and not just not just vehicles. We could go off on a huge, huge course there. But related to vehicles, I learned how to drive a stick once when I was 16. Sure. And I haven't driven one. And you've never <laughs> done it needed, again. <laughs> haven't needed it since. Yeah. Well, Van, there's your answer. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. It's already past the generation. That's right. That's great. The nope. um, the second example I was going to give you of autonomous driving cars is the they measure it by the amount of human interventions per mile required, and and that has been uh, deep slowly decreasing over time over the years. So one car driven from coast to coast and back is about five thousand miles. How many human interventions do you think are necessary? No idea. Any guess? Um, I'll say, and 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 what qualifies a human? So it's it's driving autonomously, and when yeah. I need to touch either brake, uh, accelerator, or steering wheel, right? Right. Um, I'd say less than fifty. One is the answer. One human <laughs> intervention per five thousand miles of autonomous driving. That's that's generally where we're at. Wow, it's pretty good. So, and I think so, it solves so many problems. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, imagine next time I'm at a at a party at Eric's house and I've had a few to drink. <laughs> I don't have to worry about getting that DUI, right? The car's just well, going to drive me home. 
the uh, you won't worry about having your car at home the next morning. That's for sure. But Uber solved that problem long ago. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I can't I can't get drunk in my autonomous vehicle and just say, take me home. I don't think so. I'm not sure. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Well, we oh, yeah. have come almost to the end of our time, but I want to make sure people, if someone wants your services, what's the best way? Should they go to a website, call you? What do you want them to do? Sure. Uh, the website is anythingautomotive.net, www.anythingautomotive.net. Um, and then, and then I, I'm, I can always be reached by email. Uh, it's andrew at anythingautomotive.net. And then my my office number is 770-458-7999. And we never mentioned it, but for those listening, um, when Andrew said you pick it up at his Shambly office, he's you're located in the PDK uh, set of buildings, right? We we were we had an office at Peachtree to Cab Airport for uh, for several years, many years, and moved about two years ago. We're around the corner from the Mad Italian. Oh, okay. On Savoy. On Perimeter Park Drive. Oh, Perimeter Park. Okay, yeah. It's uh, it's it's right there. It's on the far side of Shambly, just just right there at the bridge. Sure, That's sure. The- You're right around the corner from where Eric and I live. So yeah, we'll we'll have to jump in Eric's golf cart and come over and see you. We uh, we see clients by appointment at the office, but a lot a lot of our uh, activities. Uh, uh, taking orders and whatnot are are done online. Really, the the delivery is the only thing that's done. In it's person. the only thing at your office. All right. Yeah. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Eric, once again, we're coming towards the end of the year, but we will have a couple more great guests before uh, the end of 2020. Hopefully, we're coming to the end of this what I call a horrible year. Um, and 2021 will be much better with Between Two Trains and all the great entrepreneurs we'll bring. So, fellas, thanks for coming on the show, and we'll see you in two weeks. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. Good luck with that little one. Bye.